expected, that the Israelites expected, but he came to be the king of our lives. We're going to talk about Palm Sunday this morning, um, how when he entered into Jerusalem, he didn't come as the warrior. See, what, see, at the time that Jesus came, Israel was hoping to have the king come back. They were looking for a king in the line of King David to come and rescue them from under the boot of Rome, who was ruling um, Israel and, and so many other kingdoms. And so the Israelites, the Jews, were waiting for somebody to come and, and rescue them so that they could be that autonomous, um, God, godly nation that they were created to be. And when they saw Jesus, they began to think, some of the people began to think that it was Jesus. Jesus came, and he was a teacher, and he began to change things. He was heralded by John the Baptist, who said that the king was coming, that Jesus was coming. And so, so people began to see Jesus heal, um, heal people. In fact, we're going to find at, 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 on Palm Sunday, there was probably somebody there, uh, there celebrating with Jesus, and that was Lazarus. Did you know no, Lazarus was raised from the dead? And that, that it was such an uproar that the chief priests wanted to kill Lazarus. They actually were looking for a time to kill Lazarus as well as to kill Jesus. Why? Because the, Lazarus walking around was proof that Jesus was somebody. And so the Jews were looking at Jesus and they thought, this is going to be it. This is it. And so we celebrate Palm Sunday today is the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem. And you can find this if you're taking notes in the books of, of all four Gospels. Matthew chapter 21, Mark chapter 11. Luke chapter 19 and John chapter 12. So all four of those books have the same uh, account of, of Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And it's such an, an, an incredible day for us because we now know 2,000 years later what Jesus was coming to do. But the, but the people at this time didn't. They didn't know what to expect and many of them were expecting something else. Uh, Matthew chapter 21. Now when they drew, new, drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. I'm going to try that someday, see if that works. I'm going to send some people to go get a car for me and to say, you know, there's a Ferrari down there, and if anyone asks, just say, Pastor Rob needs them and see if it works. And so apparently this was okay. And so they get the, the, they get the, the donkey and the colt. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went, and Jesus did as they commanded him. And they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and they set them on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? We sang this morning, Hosanna. The word Hosanna means save 
or save us. They were crying out, but it, it, it was it, the, the literal translation is to save, but it became this, this term of praise that they would sing, but they were singing, save us, praise to Jesus, praise him who's coming in. And it says that there was a great multitude of people there. This morning I want to talk a little bit about three multitudes that we're going to see over the next uh, 50 354 days. The first group of people is right now on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, it says there's a multitude of people and they're there praising God. The next group of people we're going to look at this morning is the group that's there on, on Good Friday. The, the, there's a group also gathered together, a multitude who's gathered together on Good Friday right before the crucifixion. And the third group of people we want to look a little bit at this morning is the group that was gathered 54 days later after the triumphal entry. See, 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after the Passover is an event called Pentecost. And Pentecost is where the Holy Spirit gets poured out upon his people, and the church is born. And there's 120 gathered in an upper room, as well as thousands who hear the gospel. And so I want to look at these three groups of people in the same area of Jerusalem. We're going to look at three, three groups of people in the one city, and we're going to be talking about the Savior, Jesus Christ, and what that means. Now, so this first group of people are people who, obviously, they know Jesus. They've watched him, and they're crying out. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, save us. And I think it was a large group. It said a multitude. This comes right on the heels of, of Jesus teaching, of doing healings. Um, so much that he's done. And he's coming into Jerusalem. He, he goes and he sends to get a donkey. And, and I was actually listening to a message this week, and I'm, I'm sorry, I just let, let you in. If I start smiling every time I, see, I hear the word donkey, I heard a, a, a Scottish or Irish preacher preaching about this. And every says he's talking about the donkey, he says it just like in Shrek. He says, and he had a donkey. And I just keep thinking of, of donkey and Shrek. So now I'm, I'm, I'm ruined for this. But so Jesus gets a donkey, and he rides in on a donkey. And it says that the people tore down palm branches. We don't have any palm branches this morning, but we do have our palms. And so we are raising those during worship. We're going to raise our palms. And they, it said that they were taking their cloaks and they're putting them on the road. We want to, so what, what were they doing? Well, when, when royalty would come, would come into an area, they would carpet the area just like they would roll out the red carpet. We know that, that expression. That's what they were doing. They were making a carpet. They were honoring the king who was coming. So they put palm branches down. They shouted and they were waving. I'm sure the park and recs department wasn't excited about everyone cutting down their palm trees. But anyways, they had palm trees and everyone's taking off their ja jackets so that the king could come. Now, if you know anything about, about history and the way uh, kings would come, when a king would come into a town to conquer it, he would ride a horse. He would ride a horse to come in to conquer. And, and you see the king coming on the horse, and he would bring his people in, and they would conquer the city. Well, remember that, that Israel is under the Roman rule right now. It needs to be conquered. A war has to happen in order for the king in the line of David to come and set up his kingdom. A king would have to come and conquer Rome. And he would need to come on his horse. And he would need to come with his army. But 
That's not what we see Jesus doing this morning. What we see Jesus doing on this day is coming in on a donkey. When a king would ride in on a donkey, it was a sign that says peace. So, so the people here in Israel, the Jews, they're, they're praising him, believing that he's about to come in, but there's a problem. He's coming in on the wrong on the wrong stallion. He's supposed to be on a donkey. He's not supposed to be, um, he's supposed to be on a horse, and yet he's coming in. But he's coming in to bring peace. He's not coming into a physical world. He's coming into a spiritual world. But we see the people, and I want to talk about the crowd of people, because I think the crowd of people that is there on this Palm Sunday is just like you and me and the rest uh, of society. You know, America... Is, is very favorable towards Christianity, believe it or not. 75% of the population of the United States identifies with Christianity. It's, it's, it's broadly supported. You know, the whole idea of Christianity is broadly supported. Now, when we get specific and we start talking about righteousness and we begin to narrow it down, we find that the 75% dwindles down. Is that true? Well, this is what we have this day is there's a crowd of people that are broadly supporting Jesus. They like the idea. He's coming in and they're all, whoa, this is going to be great. Jesus is going to come and, and I just like the idea. They're, they're open to this. In a few days, this same group of people changes. See, we, we have to believe that some of the people on on Palm Sunday are also there on Good Friday. And on Good Friday, the people are saying, not Hosanna, save us. They're not saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, crucify him. The multitude has changed. See, there's a group of people in this country that's broadly supportive of Christianity. You know, it's just, it's all good until it starts getting specific. And still it starts coming down and we start actually talking about what does Christianity mean. See, Jesus had done so many miracles. People, people liked the idea of Jesus because he was coming and he was healing. And, and he, was, he was kind of uh, telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees where they could go. And, and he, was, he was coming and, and people liked that. They, they liked that. So they were supporting him. But see, even as soon as Jesus comes in to, into Jerusalem, one of his first acts is to go in to the, to the temple, and he starts kicking over tables. And he drives out the money changers that are there with a whip. And so, and I was, I was really praying things, and you know, this, this is so interesting. Well, see, Jesus comes in sometimes into our life, and we're all, oh, this is great, this is great. And then he puts a finger on something that we're doing. See, the money changers were there in the temple. They were trying to make a profit from God. See, because see, people had to bring sacrifices. And they, had to, uh, they would have to bring and pay their uh, temple, temple fees. And they'd have to pay them in the temple coins. And so the, the, the tax, the, they weren't tax collectors, but the money changers, they were there. Um, you could uh, buy perfect offerings and they were charging extra money for the good offerings. The other thing they were doing is you would have to turn in your money, the Roman, the Roman money, and you'd have to turn it into uh, temple currency. And they were, they were kind of like, I don't know if you've ever gone to another country and, and changed money, and you look around for the best exchange rate, and then you get that money, and then when you, if you still have some left over, you've got to go back, and then you've got to buy your American dollars back, and you always lose. 
That's what they were doing, but it was exorbitant. They were making a profit on people's desire to worship God. And I thought, well, I, I don't want to be that, that person. I don't want to say that we're that, but how often are we looking to profit from God? God, what can you do for me? Well, you know, I, I saw Bartimaeus, and he got healed. He was blind, and now he sees, and Lazarus is alive. Jesus, what can you do for me? I don't want to be the one where Jesus has to come in and turn over my table because I'm not looking for Jesus in the right way, but I'm only looking for him to give me what I want and what I think I need. But the people there, they were supportive of the idea of Jesus. But see, even over this course of this next week, he's going to be preaching some really difficult messages. And if you don't look at all the messages that Jesus preached, you might think that he came just to give us a, a good life and make us feel better about ourselves. But he comes with a very specific call. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And he, and he presses us. He says that, that, that the, the road to heaven is narrow and that we have to go through him. And we start getting uncomfortable. So what happens to this group that by Friday is yelling, crucify him? Well, some of them have been disillusioned. They don't like Jesus anymore. They're starting to realize the things that he's actually wanting and what he's not planning on doing. He's not planning on rescuing them from Rome. So, so some of the people who were worshiping him and praising him probably realized, oh no, we were lining up on the wrong side. And we don't want Rome to know that. So let's be, for, let's be on the side now that says, let's crucify him because I don't want Rome to come after me. See, everyone could be guilty for, for treason trying to bring in another king. Jesus wasn't answering the prayers that they had. They wanted something specific, and some of the things that Jesus represented was outside of their thinking. We see on that Good Friday that he was accused. One of the accusations brought against him was that they said, well, wh why, should we, why should we condemn Jesus? And some people came forward and they said, because Jesus said that he would tear down the temple and that he would rebuild it. Well, that's not what Jesus said. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, tear down this temple and I will, re and I will raise it. Tear down the temple and I will raise it. He didn't say he would tear it down. He just said, if somebody tears it down, I will raise it again. And he didn't even use the word rebuild. He said, I will raise it. And that means to come to life again. See, sometimes we don't understand what Jesus is coming to say. We don't understand what Jesus is coming to do. We take his, his words out of context, and then we use those same words to accuse him and say, I don't want you anymore. Because... God works all things for the good, period. No, God works all things for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God's never going to give you anything that you can't handle. No, that's not what Jesus ever said. He said that, that sin comes 
But there is no sin that will overtake you that is not common to man. But with every sin, with every temptation, God will give you a way out. Yet we have translated that as that God's never going to give you anything tough. And we, we hear the, the wrong words, we hear the wrong gospel, and we, and we begin to, to turn away. We, become, we change from this crowd that's, that's really open to godliness and open to the things of God. They're, they're broadly receptive to these things, and, and we change and become accusative, and we don't want anything to do with it. We need to understand who Jesus is, what he came to do. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which is lost. We need to hang on to the, to the fact that he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. There's not many ways. We need to sometimes even understand that some of the promises of, of Jesus are, are, aren't always fun. He said, in this world, you're going to have some tribulation. Has anyone had any of that lately? Any tribulation? We've had just a little. You know, I mean, we have a pretty good life, but even just yesterday, coming back from our vacation, the car broke down three times. While we were gone, the bear attacked our house and got into our trash. But that wasn't, that wasn't our tribulation. That was a tribulation for our neighbors who had to clean it up. <laughs> but coming across the desert last night, the, or yesterday afternoon, and, and I had a lot to do when I came back, and uh, the, the, the transmission on Zach's car, he's already, he just replaced it $3,000 and it's overheating on the way back from vacation now, so we got to get it repaired again. Outside of Baker, in between, in between Baker and Barstow, there's not a whole lot out there and the, the transmission temp light comes on and we have to pull off and wait for a while to cool it down, then drive a few more miles and then cool it down again and drive a few more miles and cool it down again until we got some you know, transmission fluid, it was, it couldn't tell if it was low, so we added a little bit, we thought we were fine, and then it finally was just done on, on 247, so, hey, but we, we, we got to eat at Slash X Restaurant and Cafe out on Barstow Road for the first time. Tribulation comes. That's a simple one. We have some serious trials and tribulation that come, and Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. You know, we've, we've got Jackie, who, who we don't know how long God is going to keep her here. But, but here's the thing. We know where she's going. So now, now a lot of you don't know Jackie. Jackie was a, a big part of this church many years ago. Um, she, li she lives in Arizona now. She was one of our, our life group leaders. And she just has a heart for Jesus. Shannon and I got to disciple when she first got saved in our group almost 20 years ago. Denise was babysitting Zach and Matthew. They were, like, they were like this big. You know, we don't want to see Jackie die because we're going to miss her. But the Bible is very clear that when she dies, she's going to heaven. In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. One of the reasons that we lose faith like the people did on Good Friday is because they lost sight of the, the true Jesus. They got deceived maybe by some bad teaching. They began to understand the wrong things, but we need to understand that Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus, when he rides in to Jerusalem on, on Palm Sunday, 
came to set up a spiritual kingdom. A spiritual kingdom where this kingdom, this world is no longer our home. We're waiting for our home that's coming. And we live as Christians, as, as Christian believers, we live in this strange uh, place where we're, we're still on this world, but yet we live and we're part of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but that's difficult to manage both at times. Because we, we have the discouragements and the trials that we go through here, but yet we know that Christ is with us and the Holy Spirit is with us, but we're looking forward to our home. We're looking forward to heaven, but obviously he doesn't want us there yet. See, we've got to be careful too is that we don't live so much heavenly minded that we forget that we're here. We've got a work to do. We have something to accomplish while we're waiting to finally meet Jesus. And that's to help those we know, those we come in contact with, to know Jesus the way we know him. It's for all of us to grow closer to him and to be a witness to help other people know him like we do. We don't want to be just with the 75% of Americans who have a, a connectivity and, a, and are open to Christianity. We definitely don't want to be those who change when the going gets tough and begin to accuse and say crucify him. We want to be the third group. The third group of people that's found at Pentecost. See, if, if we were 2,000 years ago, we would be pretty excited now. If we were his disciples, we'd be pretty excited. Jesus is doing so many amazing things. And can you know, be talking like, wow, I mean, you remember that sermon on, that he, he talked about on the mountain? That, that was some really good stuff. And, oh, man, remember when that, there's that blind person? And then you hear Jesus go, whoosh, and then next thing you know, the, the blind person can see. And then, oh, and were you there when Lazarus came out? I mean, he had been in the grave for days, and it was going to stink. And, and when they rolled that thing away, I'm like, I wanted to be like 100 feet away because I knew the stench was going to come out. And here, they roll the, the stone away, and Lazarus comes out, and he's alive. And it's just amazing, and they're excited. And then this week, what we don't know is about to happen is that Jesus is going to be betrayed. And he's going he's gonna to be tortured and beaten, accused. He's going to be crucified for us and his disciples by Friday night. We're all going to be devastated. I mean, we're going to be like Peter. Like, what are you going to do now? I guess I'm going to go fishing. I don't know what else to do. Because their hopes and dreams all came shattered down. But we don't want to be the group that on Friday is casting, crucify him at Christ. We're the, we're the disciples who are like, what's happening? Well, Sunday, I'm, I love Easter. I love Easter Sunday and the, the celebrating the resurrection of Christ. He rose again for me and you. And we get to be part of that group who sees that in just a week, that Jesus Christ rises from the dead. But then for 40 more days, he's hanging out with us. Showing us thing, talking, till he goes to heaven. And ten days later, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. And that crowd is real different. So, so if you go to, if, if you're taking notes, you go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. Jesus has 
um, ascended to the Father. It's done. It's, everything's done at this point. And, and this, is a, this is a whole message. Someday I need to preach on this as we get close to Pentecost. I'll, I'll, I'll expound more. But on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. And he had, he had finished the work for our, for our salvation. But he comes and he walks with us. And he goes up to heaven. And it's all done. But he waits for ten more days to send the Holy Spirit. And I believe the reason he does that is so that we would know that, that the Holy Spirit can come and fill us and empower us to be his witnesses. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Go, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And they don't even know what he's talking about. I mean, I've, I, you know, they, they just, what, what are you talking about? Just go wait. And so they wait and pray for ten days. And they're, and, they're, and they're just up in this upper room, 120 of them praying, waiting, waiting. And I don't know if you've ever had to wait for something that you didn't know what you were waiting for. That's, that's, that's really weird. You know, they're like, okay. And, and I kind of imagine that during that 10 days that there was, there's, you come on, there's always the person or people in a, group, in a prayer meeting, right, who don't like the silence anyways. And then they have to break the silence and stuff. And so there's probably times during that 10 days of praying and waiting that somebody was like, wait a second, I think I got it. Jesus told us to wait. I got it. I know what he told us to wait for. And they told him about some little vision they had or some feeling that they had. And, and the disciples were probably like, nah, that's good. That's really good, brother. But I don't think that's it. I think it's going to be bigger than this. You know, and, then, and waiting and waiting. But what, what they were waiting for, they knew not until they were waiting and the place was shaken. I mean, when things start shaking, we start taking notice. And it says that the Holy Spirit began to fall on each one of them like tongues of fire. And they all began to speak in other tongues. And then Peter preaches this awesome message. In the message, Peter says, hey, this is to fulfill what the prophet Joel said. So, so here's the picture. We're not going to go very far into this, but here's the picture. They've been waiting. They've been praying. Jesus was crucified. He rose again. He walked with them. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. They watched him go. They, t they told him to wait. Jesus told him to wait. They're waiting. They're praying. And now the place is shaken, and tongues of fire are coming down. This is pretty cool. Never been in a prayer meeting like that. And they're speaking in tongues. And Peter says, this is, what Peter, this is what Joel talked about. Well, if you go back and read Joel, it says, In the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. Men, women, Gentiles, and Jews. Everyone. And it says that the young men will see visions, and the old men will dream dreams. That's, that's pretty much the gist of what it says in Joel. Not anywhere in the book of Joel does it say that people are going to speak in tongues. And yet, them speaking in tongues was the revelation of the, the prophet Joel. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And, and when the Holy Spirit gets poured out, I just want to, the reason I mention that is, is the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to have a speak in tongues, I'm going to speak in tongues. Lay hand on people and have them, you know, I mean... We're just going to let, let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes and Peter preaches a message. And this group of 120 people who weren't just the well-wishers, who weren't just okay with, 
with Christianity who weren't just out there, you know, waving palm branches and playing trumpets and tubas and things like that. They were, they were part of the group that lasted through the, good, the, through the Palm Sunday, through Good Friday, and they stuck with Jesus. And now it's the 120 of them. And often the question has been raised, well, what about the 5,000? What about the 500? Where were all these people? You know, I think when the going got tough, the group of followers got narrow for a while. And that happens to us. We want to stay true. We want to be the 120 that are gathered. This morning, you might not be part of the 120, but you could be part of the 3,000. Because Peter Peter starts preaching a message to 3,000 people who get saved. Peter preaches. Now, it's, it's good to take note that not that long ago, just 50 days before this, Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter's wishy-washy. His name, literally before it was changed, when, 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 when Jesus changed it to Peter, which was the rock, it meant unstable or sandy. But, but, but Jesus changed it. He says, you're going to be the rock. And so here Peter, the denier, the wishy-washy guy is now preaching, lining himself up with Jesus, who, who no one in their right mind would line themselves up with Jesus unless Jesus was who he said he was. And he preaches and he preaches. And in verse 37, it says that the people heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, just go to church and be good. Give some money on, on Sundays and you're, you're, you're going to be good. No, he said, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The third group is the group who, who hear the gospel and repent. They realize that, that Jesus is who he says he is and that their life isn't lining up with that. You know, but, but here's the wonderful thing about the journey with Christ is that Jesus walked for three years with the people. He didn't just show up and said, you're all out of luck. He had grace and he walked and he taught and he restored and he healed. See, wherever you're at on your journey, there's a goal for that journey, and that journey is in Acts 2.37, 2.38, to come to the point where you finally say, what am I going to do? Repent and be baptized. And to be baptized and to repent means you're going to follow Christ. See, there's a goal for your walk. There's a goal on this journey. We are changing the name of the church to the Journey Church because we're on a journey, but the journey doesn't go to lots of places. There's only one place. Jesus said that he was the way. I think I'm going to get some bumper stickers made up for us that says, follow me, I know the way. We personally know the way. He lives in my heart. I talk with him. And we want to be 
the, the goal of, of your journey, wherever you're at today, is to get to this point where you've heard it enough times, you've seen Jesus enough time, that you say, what am I going to do? And the answer is repent. Be baptized. Follow Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit who's going to help you navigate this life. He's going to help you walk this life. He's going to help you in that difficult spot where we understand that we're part of this world, but we're waiting for our future home. We're part of two kingdoms still. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Repent. Follow Him. See that the Lord is good. See that the Lord is good. Is He good? <sighs> Boy, we, we say, you know, God is good and all the time. And all the time, God is good. And God is good all the time, but our experience isn't good all the time. Sometimes it's tough. But He says, follow me. One of the words of Jesus is so powerful. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart. That's what Jesus wants us to do. He wants us to turn in our burden for his. He wants to give us rest and peace. He wants us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit can begin to happen in our life. And that we can begin to have love. Some of you are lacking love. Not that you don't want to love. You've maybe never been loved or haven't received love. But he wants you to be loved and, and be able to give love. And have joy and peace and patience and kindness. Goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. That happens from a life that's yielded to the Holy Spirit. I want to be part of the third group. Who was there the whole time. I want to see, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I, I, I'm, I want to be there on Good Friday, not hurling insults, but weeping. I want to be there and rejoice at the resurrection. And I want to be there filled with his Holy Spirit. Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna to the, the Son of David, who's also the Son of Man. Son of God. He's wonderful. He's come to set us free. Wherever you're at today, we're going we're gonna to pray. We're just going to, it's a great opportunity to just remember that Jesus came into Jerusalem. He's coming in tonight. He's coming in today to this, to this city, to this life. And he wants to come in and bring peace. He wants to come in and help you to find joy and healing and life. He's going to kick over some tables in your life at his, at his timing. He's going to put his finger on some areas of your life at times that he's going to say, hey, we're going to deal with this now. But he'll do it at his timing. Wherever you're at today is a good time to just say, Heavenly Father, I need Jesus to come in triumphantly into my life. You know my struggles my difficulties. You know how I fail and fall short. I want to repent from that. I want to do different things and I want to think differently about who you are. I want to commit myself fresh 
unto you and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I can't do this life on my own. I need you. I'm still, some of you are still fresh on the journey. It's okay to say something like, God, I'm, I'm still just checking this thing out. But I want to know the truth. I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to be deceived. I want to have right thinking about who you are and what you came to do and what you came to be in my life. Help me to discover who you are so I can know the truth. And if I know the truth, the truth will set me free. I want to be free. Father, for all of us this week, we pray that we would think about the sacrifice that Jesus made. We'd be able to talk about it with our friends and our neighbors. Be able to invite a loved one or a friend to church on Sunday when they can hear the gospel presented. God, we thank you that you're gracious, you're abounding in love and mercy, and that you draw us along and you draw us to yourself. You know, when you're checking things out, you need to really think about it for a while. You know, I I don't think we should ever strong arm somebody into the kingdom of God. I went out, I used to go do a lot of street witnessing and I went out with these young zealous guys one time. Their whole goal was to make people say the sinner's prayer. And they would just go up to somebody, they'd share their faith. If they weren't interested, they'd just like, well, just pray this prayer. Just pray this prayer. And they'd ma- they, would ha- they would just hound them until they prayed the sinner's prayer. And then they'd say, well, you know, praise the Lord, you're going to heaven. It was horrible. That wasn't true. So we don't, we don't need to strong arm people. You, you know, uh, Ron Radicu comes, you, it comes and, and shares about their ministry in Hollywood. He, he's, always, he's always said, and he was one of the ones who taught me about soul when he says, you know, you can't make a proper decision without all the facts. So one of the things, if you're visiting, if you're, if you're just checking things out, you can't make a decision, a lifelong decision about Jesus without all the facts. So you need to keep coming. You need to, you need to read your Bible, and you need to be under teaching and preaching so that you can hear and find out what this thing is all about. And, and, um, but it's, it's important. Wouldn't you say it's important to make any lasting decision to have some facts and some take some time with it? I, I, think, I think it's important. Well, there's two people in the church who've been taking some time and learning the facts about, about stuff. And, and they haven't rushed things. They started out as, as just people on the worship team together and became friends. And they just kind of hung out and started doing the friendship thing for a while. And then we just got to watch that friendship thing blossom into some flirting. And that was fun. You know, when we realized they were flirting back and forth with each other and then they made it official. They started dating each other and a honoring God in every part of their relationship, serving God together. And then they announced, and most, some of you have already heard, and they announced just last week, not even quite a week ago, of their engagement and their up-and-coming wedding. Robert Parley and Julie Dawson are getting married. You know, they're, so, and they're, they're, they're going the route that I, I more recommend. Um, long friendship, lo- long friendship, short engagement. 
Long friendship, short engagement. And this is going to be a short engagement. And uh, they're going to be um, married at the end of May. And we're going to celebrate and pray over them the first Sunday in June. Uh, they're going to come. And so, so we're going to be just, you know, be thinking about them and be, be praying for them. And, and, uh, but it's, it's really exciting. You know, God is the God, uh, you know, God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth chances. God is the Redeemer, and He's full of grace and mercy. Amen? And I love it. You know, you know Robert's not a spring chicken anymore. And so... <laughs> but God is good. God is good. So, let, hey, let's, let's just pray a quick blessing over them, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for what you do in our, in our midst, God. Um, Father, we've journeyed. We've journeyed with Julie. We've been journeying with, with Robert for, for many years. And God, you are the restorer and redeemer. And you uh, bring glory out of uh, situations we can't see. Father, we just pray a blessing upon their engagement and all the planning and the process that goes with it. But more importantly, God, we pray blessing on their future marriage, God. That it would be just founded on you founded on the word of god on the spirit of god that they would uh you would just help them to grow to become the uh, man a man and a woman of god who are submitted to you submitted to each other and and who just make it their prime goal to love you and to love one another bless this engagement time and we rejoice with them we just pray a blessing upon this service and this week as we are going into easter we thank you for all that you're doing in jesus name Amen. Amen.